The nail in the coffin! It's the Nail in the Coffin, episode number 101. I'm Tom, he's Travis, and Trav, as we get rolling here on Saturday morning, I want to wish you a happy Festivus, my friend. To you as well, my friend. Are we doing uh, Feats of Strength today? Airing of Grievances? I'm sure Airing of Grievances, but... Well, we will... uh, I don't know. I I don't know how many Grievances I need to air. I'm actually feeling pretty good about the Cavs at the moment, so I'm I'm in a good place. If the Browns get mentioned, it has to be a Grievance, right? Well, that goes without saying. All right. So proceed. All right. Well, uh, my only advice for you today uh, is you go and uh, get the uh, aluminum pole out of storage and, uh, you know, do whatever else you need to do to celebrate Festivus. Do not bother wasting any time uh, putting a saw buck on Captain Nemo in the third at Belmont. But um, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, uh, Christmas just around the corner, which, of course, means it's uh, time for the Cavs and Warriors to once again exchange pleasantries. And to help get us ready, we've got a really good guest today, Scott Sargent, co-founder and editor of Waiting for Next Year, also a contributor for Bleacher Report. Scott does a great job covering the Cavs, and we're really excited to have him on. Scott, welcome. Thank you. I, I don't know about really good guests, but I'm, uh, I, I, I hope to at least uh, meet some sort of satisfactory grade today, that's for sure. Yeah, well, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> No, I appreciate you having me. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, it's been an interesting first uh, thirty plus games here. Sluggish start, I think uh, five and seven to open the year. Uh, things were looking a little bleak, but uh, reports of the Cavs' demise greatly exaggerated. Really gotten rolling since. As you've been around this team, um, a lot of new faces this year. Uh, what has jumped out to you the most? Uh, you know, a couple things. One. It's it's incredible that LeBron James is still doing this at at an advanced age. He's going to be 33 in a couple of weeks here. Uh, actually, next week um, he's going to be 33 years old. Doing the things that he's doing are, are just is just remarkable, and getting to watch it in person has been you know I I, I, I can't take it for granted. Um, you know, being being able to be there for this kind of stuff. Um, but the other one that jumped out is being able to watch Dwayne Wade in the Cleveland Cavaliers journey. Um, it, I, I never thought this would be the case. And for the way that the NBA works out sometimes, um, having a player of his aptitude being able to run that second unit with such efficiency in the way he does has been uh, – it's, it's really been a game changer for this Cavaliers team because they historically, since LeBron has come back, have struggled to put up points with him on the bench. Um, there was the, the infamous first time they went to the finals uh, when, when Kevin Love was hurt and Kyrie blew his knee out in game one. Um, where I think after that happened, they, they, the team scored 12 points with LeBron on the bench throughout the rest of that series, which was oh which is which is crazy to think about um, and how how much they had to ride him. They no longer seem to have to do that because you're getting uh, that second unit with with Wade and Corver and and Channing Frye is contributing and and Jeff Green has been great. Like all these old guys who have just been kind of you know cast aside by their former teams. Are somehow coming together and on this on this roster, and playing really really good basketball. So I mean those those are the the really two takeaways that I have, you know through the yeah, I guess third of the way through this regular season. I can't really recall a time that we ever had like a true second unit 
where there's no starters at all on the floor. And then there was the game the other night against the Bucks, obviously, where they staged that huge comeback. And I looked, and it's like, yeah, LeBron's not out there, but I don't know that everybody notices that none of the starters at all were out there. Um, it's a complete, like, completely different team, and they're just, I mean, going on this huge run. Um, well, it's usually, like you know, right? even when, yeah. It's like a hockey load rotation. And you don't, I don't know that you see it as often as people think. I mean, you always hear about, you know, the second unit or the bench group or whatever it is, but they're usually supplemented by one or two of the, you know, the number ones too. It's, it's sort of interesting to see. And I don't know that it ever really sunk in until I was watching that Bucks game, that it is a complete, like completely different team than you see the game to start with. Well, and they, it's a different team, but they, and they're also playing differently, right? They, the, the, their style of play is is much different you know when the starters are on the floor jose calderon is a he i I was i was trying to explain him to someone the other day he's a point guard who just doesn't he doesn't mess up you know he doesn't excel really in things he can hit open shots which is which can't be understated but his value in just not messing up and not turning the ball over not doing dumb things um you know like the way we've seen when like iman shumpert was being thrust into the point guard position or or even with Derrick Rose a little bit, you know, in his turnovers, um, and and then they 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 play that, you know, they use him as like a facilitator, and then in the second unit comes in, Wade running point is like a very much attacking kind of guard who then has all those floor spacing guys around him, and they 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 either pick and roll you or they you know or they they drive and kick you to death. It's it's just a lot of fun. And the last time I can remember a true bench unit on this Cavaliers team was when they were really, really bad. And you had the Wayne Ellington, Luke Walton, um, you know, like that group, uh, uh, Sean Livingston, uh, when that, when that five man unit would come in, uh, they were a lot of fun to watch because they just, they, they reminded you of old guys at the rec center, you know, <laughs> like running up and down with the kids, but they would just play such fundamental, fundamentally sound basketball that they, that they just did a very good job at doing it. Um, now this time around, obviously, you know, we're, we're not, we're not quite in the, you have, you have a, a little bit more talent, you know, given Wade and, and green and those guys, Corver especially, um, you know, and it's, it's no coincidence that all of these guys are, are playing some of the most efficient basketball of their entire careers. Um, you know, despite being, you know, 15 years in it's, it's, it's really remarkable. You know, you mentioned Corver he, he's probably the best example of this, but as we kind of get into that whole second unit, one of the things that I like watching the most is, they they do a great job of moving without the ball. And you see Corver constantly running off screens to, to get freed up on the perimeter. Um, I think Dwayne Wade's pretty good at, uh, you know, kind of cutting from the backside. And it's kind of a different style of play than what we've seen from the Cavs a lot in the past. And um, like you said, I mean, it's even a lot different now from the looks that they're showing other teams when the starters are on the floor. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and to think that... You know, if you if you were to think of the the starters of you know last year's team, um, and they're doing this without Tristan Thompson, largely they're doing this without Iman Shumpert, who I think he's played twelve games this year, um, and then sporadic minutes at that. Um, you know, Jr. has been kind of in and out, uh, whether it's been injuries. Now he's you know dealing with this knee. Um, you know, the starter was supposed to be Derrick Rose, and then it went to Shump, and then it went you know then they. They finally just decided to settle on Jose Calderon, and it would, it would, as luck would have it, he's he's arguably been their best option at, at that spot. So you know, and you, you know, to kind of borrow your phrase earlier about the you know the struggles being kind of overblown and behind us. I mean, they were gonna happen. 
because of how the, the all the new players and Ty Lu had to figure out a way to you know make it work and find a rotation and get a comfort get a comfort zone with when to get these guys in when to get them out ha- have them have that whole second unit be able to um thrive without a starter on the floor i mean that's a that's a gamble i mean that's not something you can just roll out there and hope it works it's something you have to really work into so you know using the first two three weeks as kind of a feel out you know more than anything i think you know was was actually very beneficial for this cavaliers team because now they're just rolling and they're about a week away here from getting isaiah thomas back which which you know if you think of that kyrie irving trade you know jay crowder really hasn't done much that Brooklyn picks clearly just sitting on the shelf, you know, so we, they, they really haven't benefited from this Kyrie trade at all. And it's almost as if they just lost a, a, an all NBA caliber guard and are still somehow one of the best teams in basketball. And now they're going to be getting one back at Isaiah. And uh, you know, that'll be, you know, again, it's, it's, it's hard. You don't want to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it in a lot of ways. Cause they're, they're playing very, very well. But uh, anytime I think you can add a guy like Isaiah Thomas to your rotation, you got to figure out a way to do it. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the point guards and, and Derrick Rose. Do you envision seeing Derrick Rose in a Cavs uniform again at, at, at any point this season? You mean like on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he will be at some point. Um, he was warming up with the team the other night uh, before uh, the Chicago game. Um, you know, he was doing some pregame stuff with uh, with Phil Handy. Um, you know, so they're they're trying to get him back. Um, the, the trick will be, I don't, I, I think he will become your third point guard. Um, he's going to, he's going to be your Darren Williams in a lot of ways. And that's, you know, a good thing and a bad thing. Cause it's, it's, it's good for the Cavs to have a former MV, MVP as your third point guard. Um, uh, but it's, it's bad for Derek in that he was a starting guard on this team. And then the injuries, you know, you, you, you the old adage, is you don't lose your job because of injuries. Right. But it, it's clear that he, he will. Um, you know, be it, you know, physical, mental, how, whatever you want to categorize it as. Um, I, I, I think you'll see him as kind of an maybe eight to 10 minute guy, you know, in the later stages of this season. And I, I think ideally, uh, he's, he's not even in the rotation come playoff time once that kind of stuff gets tightened up and you just kind of have him on the, on the active roster in the event, somebody gets in foul trouble or gets hurt. Seeing that as, you mentioned sort of the mental aspect of it. How do you see Derrick Rose handling that? Cause he's, I mean, historically hasn't necessarily been all there. And even this year, it seems like when he left the team for a while, it was sort of like, I mean, there was rumors that he was just going to quit basketball. He didn't want to rehab all this stuff. All that stuff starts to float out. Do you see him as a guy that can even really accept that role without sort of making us think about it? That'll be up to him. You know, I, I don't, he's very quiet and very, he very much keeps to himself. Um, so he's, he's a tough guy to get a read on. He's not a real big, you know, he, and that, that's always kind of been his downfall. You know, he was the, you know, he, he just wants to play basketball. He doesn't want to be in commercials. He doesn't want to be deal with the media. He doesn't want to have to do all that fanfare. Um, you know, so, unless you know, it's, so unless you're, if you, you, that, which is fine until you're no longer doing the one thing that you want to do, right. It's your, your, if you want to just be a basketball player, you better be a damn good basketball player. And, and once you're, you become kind of that run of the mill guy, you know, that, that, that act, you know, needs to have a little bit of a, of a, of a broader reach to it. And I hope so. I don't know if there's any sort of team psychologist involved with him or any sort of, you know, helping him deal with that side of it. 
Um, I, I couldn't imagine being 29 years old and, and be, and be staring down the barrel of my career no longer being what I thought it was going to be. I mean, it wasn't that long ago he was on top of the world as the MVP of the league. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, one knee and a couple ankle injuries later, he can't run as fast, jump as high or, or blow by guys off the dribble as quickly as he used to. And his game is no longer as strong. And I, I, I think there's, there's a lot going on there that I, I don't think any of us could ever really comprehend. Um, you know, I, I, there's really no analogy to it in my, in my line of work. I mean, I'm, I'm an investment manager. I, I can't think, I mean, outside of like no longer being able to read or something along those lines, I can't think of any way that would, you know, that would, that would, I would have to face that. And I think we, we, we tend to underappreciate, you know, what these guys are going through behind the scenes sometimes. And I, I, I hope you know, for his sake and the Cavaliers' sake, that you know he can get through that and that he's willing to take that role. Um, you know, you have to assume when he's signing that 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 deal with Cleveland that you know he was going to be their reserve because I I think if my memory serves, he was was the the Kyrie trade was already either Kyrie was here or the or Isaiah Thomas was already here, and you know so when you're when you're signing that one year deal, you know you, regardless of who's ahead of you, you're, you're assuming you're going to be coming off the bench at some point. So I'm hoping that uh, there was some discussion there before uh, before they made that kind of agreement. You know, and the other thing with that, um, I will say in his defense, is, you know, you mentioned you know, losing your job uh, to an injury. Um, he really has never gotten a shot at playing the role that he was signed to play. I mean, when he was in the rotation and playing at the beginning of the year, he was starting because obviously Isaiah Thomas wasn't ready to roll yet and the Cavs were not really looking to put Jose Calderon in the starting lineup at that point. So, you know, I mean, he was signed to be a reserve point guard and, and he was kind of forced into the starting role. That didn't really work out for him. Um, then he goes down with the injury and, you know, now, I mean, it seems like Isaiah will be back first. So, I mean, if Derrick Rose comes back, I mean, at that point, maybe then he, he would get a shot at kind of playing that, that spot role that you were discussing. Um, but again, probably not even as many minutes as, what was envisioned over the summer um, just because Dwayne Wade's been doing such a good job running the second unit, right? Yeah. I mean, where would you put him? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to put him at the point and move Dwayne to the, the, the two. And then you're then who, who loses their gig at that point? Because then Kyle moves from two to three and Jeff Green moves from three to four. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the, what the, what the dominoes would have to be to make that work. Um, and then at that point you have two, guards and and Dwayne and and Derek who thrive underneath the basket and and really aren't the best shooters um you know Dwayne can I mean Dwayne can hit threes I mean it was it was evident the other night against uh, Milwaukee um but his game is 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 inside out and so is Derek so I don't know and that's always been kind of the fan argument on Twitter is you know these guys don't fit together how are you going to make them how are you going to make them work so again, that's that's going to be up to Ty, um, but you know, again, I, I think it's a, it's a it's a good problem to have, in that you have way too many talented players. Now, if if again, if it doesn't work, um, then there's there's really they're not they're not any worse off than they are right now, um, you know. So I, I'm you know again I'm I'm I think fans need to be very very glad, you know, because Jose was one of those players that it was like you know was universally 
met with WTF when they made that signing this offseason. I was at the and, front of the line for that. But. And and he has done nothing but outproduce his contract, his role. Um, you know, he's almost a Spanish deli in a way. Um, you know, he's he's scrappy. He, he's been playing good defense. He passes the ball well. He doesn't turn it over, and he hits threes when he's when he's open, and then they and they pass it back to him. Um, that's that's exactly what you need from him. Um, and I and I give him a lot of credit because he was not only cast aside by a fan base right away, uh, he was really cast aside by the coaching staff because they they had him as the first signing, and then they just kept adding guards. They had they added Derek, they added Dwayne, they, they and they, and with that you just kept bumping him down the the roster, and the the decision. If you don't, if you if you recall, you know, come come October, was who was the guy they were going to get rid of to to make to to make to fit Dwayne on the fifteen man, and it was really between Richard Jefferson and 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 Jose Calderon, and they found a trade partner for RJ, and it made it made it work. Um, but you know, Jose was was a, uh, a a roster decision away from not being here at all, and uh, this, this there he's been he's been very 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 high quality in, in his starting role and uh, has stepped up admirably when, uh, when all these injuries started to creep up in the backcourt. And the, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll admit I was one of the first people scratching my head with the, the Calderon signing, just because it's, it seemed like at that point in the summer, the Cavs were really working with limited options and, and limited roster flexibility. And they kind of jumped out on the very first day of free agency and signed him. Um, it just did not seem like there was any reason to do that at, at that juncture. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be the first to admit he's, he's proven me wrong. Um, he's been extremely useful as you've said. And, um, you know, as somebody who liked Richard Jefferson a lot and what he brought to the team the last couple of years and just kind of the personality and, and how fun it is to have Richard Jefferson on your team, uh, for what the Cavs need in 2017, 2018, um, Jose been a lot more useful uh, for their purposes so uh keeping him around uh, really has worked out well um just well, real quick i also think a lot of the folks who were all about keeping rj and what he you know quote unquote brought were completely unaware of what jeff green was going to produce as well um you know jeff is uh, jeff is doing exactly what that rj role was last year but at a much more explosive level, and I and I don't think I don't think fans initially realized what he was going to be able to do, in in being able to play essentially four positions, uh, guard four positions, uh, dunk with incredible highlight real authority, and then hit hit open threes as well. I mean, what he's what he's provided to this to this team, um, from that from a bench unit standpoint, has been almost like RJ, you know, two point Do you know what I mean? And I think. You know, the I, I may I I would assume the front office kind of realized that you can't have Jeff and RJ if you're going to have you know they're they were they're essentially the same player and you had to pick the one who's going to who you felt was going to provide the most production on the floor. Yeah, I mean road tripping podcast aside, <laughs> um, you know you know Jeff Jeff has been Jeff has been a, a substantial upgrade in my opinion over what RJ would have brought to this team. And in fairness, um, I don't think we saw anything out of Jeff Green in the last few years wherever he was playing previously that would indicate that we should expect what we have gotten this year. I, he's had a, a, a major jump up in productivity, it seems like. And, and I don't know if that goes to fit and, um, you know, having guys around him that complement his game uh, and just being in a perfect situation um, for where he's at in his career. But uh, he absolutely has made the most of the opportunity he's gotten. 
a lot well, of real, consistency they're... too. Like he used to, he would always give you a game here and there, and they're always like, "Well, why can't he do this more consistently?" I think it probably is a lot with fit and role. Um, but yeah, you're seeing it on a on a nightly basis now, as opposed to just every couple of weeks like it used to be. Yeah, they're really big, and so there's a they kind of have a mantra about excelling in your role. Um, you know, with within the locker room, and they 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 all really, regardless of position, they have a role when they're on the floor, and just excelling at that at that one role, I think has allowed each of them individually to succeed at at levels without feeling like they have to do everything. Um, and you know, Ty and Jeff have a history when they were both in Boston. Um, you know, so there's 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 some familiarity there as well, which I think which which I think helps. Scott, I just. From a broader perspective, I kind of wanted to just ask you this. You know, just being around the team, do you get a sense that this group cares more about the regular season than what we've seen in the past? It just There have been games this year where I've looked at the schedule and you just kind of get a familiarity with the Cavs and, and feel like you know what to expect. And, the, you know, the, those games on the schedule where you're just like, oh, the, this, this might be one that they mail in or, you know, second night of a back-to-back, things like that. Um, you see them get down by... 20 points, man, all right, we're just going to punt this one. Um, And and they just seem kind of relentless, especially over these last 20 games or so. And um, it's it's been one of the more fun regular seasons to watch that that I can remember in a while so far. You know, I don't know if it's a care more about the regular season. Um, You know, but I, I, I feel... That you know, it's with any LeBron James team, he's, he's not going to let you go through the motions at any point. Um, and especially when we're talking about, you know, we just went through, you know, the fact that they have a, a five-man bench, and then potentially players who need to find space beyond that five-man bench. You know, there's a lot of guys who are are are, are playable, and if 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 any of them are going to slack or or not or not you know take care of their body the right way or or go through or, you know go through practice the right way and those kind of things they're just not going to get playing time and i think so there's a lot of you know they always have to be on if that makes sense uh when 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 you're when you're a, a teammate of lebron james and i think that just kind of comes with the territory um the other the other overriding thing is if you remember when um a couple of years back when uh, Golden State was reeling off all those wins in a row, it was like 30 and 0 or 31 and 0 or whatever before they lost. Um, you know, the whole thing was, you know, it's just a regular season. We're playing for the playoffs, whatever, whatever. But as that continued to go on, you could tell that it was eating at LeBron, that that was the storyline and it had nothing to do with them. Uh, and now you're seeing, well, up until, you know, last, until last night, um, Houston was 25 and 5. Uh, Boston was reeling off all those wins in a row and, you know, and then you had the, the Arthur meme, um, <laughs> you know, I, and that, so, you know, the, you could tell that the regular season while, you know, he might be giving, you know, 75 to 80% on the defensive end, you know, right now, um, you know, I think you could, you could tell that with those other storylines creeping up by other teams winning, <laughs> The uh, the pressure to uh, to do the same in Cleveland is is, is still there regardless of what uh, you know regardless of the whole you know you have to play for the playoffs and not the regular season thing like they'll, they'll use some of these games to feel out you know they use again they use the first three weeks to find a rotation I mean they're they're willing to sacrifice those early games to uh, to better themselves later and I think as long as there's an end game to that 
not not necessarily quote unquote caring about the regular season is fine, but you need you need to use them in a, in a way as almost like a high level practice if anything. There's, and there's got to be a point to why you know there would be any sort of I don't say slacking, but because they're clearly not slacking. Um, but you know you, you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. there there's there's multiple layers to it, and whether it's what other teams are doing or what this team is doing, I do think that there's uh, an increased emphasis because I think they built a lot of bad. Uh, habits last year in their in their lack of um you know you know treatment of the regular season um you know their defense was kind of shoddy and i think a lot of that kind of crept up to them you know come playoff time and you know i i I think they're just not going to let that happen this year they're not going to let the bad habits creep in they're going to just focus on their efficiency and and their team defense and they're just going to look to get better every night and you know regular season or not yeah, that was that was one of the things I was going to say is, I mean, I'm glad you brought up the bad habits of last year because um, I think the Cavs finished the regular season with, what, 51 wins? And right now they're on pace for uh, close to 60. And I don't know that this roster is almost 10 games better than that one was. But, um, yeah, it just it seems like there's an attention to detail. The defense has gotten noticeably better in the last uh, month or five, six weeks. I would say over the last 20 games or so. Um it's uh, it, it's been fun to watch. Um, Trev, sound like you're about to jump in. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about how everybody is fitting into the roles and how everyone is, you know, how there's all these different guys that have been playing parts and whatnot. Do we still think that this roster is kind of done, or is anyone thinking that they're going to move that Nets pick? There was obviously a lot of talk about that early in the season, um, and they've played obviously so well over the last month month and a half it's probably fair to wonder if they're still planning that but what do you guys think you know i i don't know if it's ever done um you know think of last year with we swapping dunleavy for corver um you know that kind of came out of nowhere how the hell did they pull that off by the way in the beginning yeah (laughs) mike dunleavy mo williams and a second rounder for for kyle corver um you know again i i you know i just wrote about griff for the site earlier this week and you know, yes, LeBron James helps a lot of things and masks a lot of a lot of bad bad habits and bad things. But you, you, LeBron James didn't facilitate that trade. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if you know, to be able to move those pieces to acquire the people that Griff did over his course of his time here was, I you know, I think was remarkable. But um, that said, I I do think you know Kobe was a student of Griff. You know, they were, they, he was in that, he was in that office, you know, right, right by Griff's side for, for several years here. So I think he, you know, he's keeping a watchful eye. You know, there's a lot of feeling behind the scenes that, you know, the, the team wants to keep the Brooklyn pick because in the event something happens where all these guys on one year deals on there are no longer here next season, they want to have someone, you know, you got to, you, you, do, you don't want to go through the same issue you had in 2010 where, you have to wait a full season before you get that Kyrie Irving. Do you know what I mean? Like they want to be able to get that Kyrie Irving this year if needed. That said, if you know, it's still going to be really bad basketball. If, you know, if if you're if you're going to be counting on a rookie and a bunch of guys. So, um, you know, the, you know, you were talking to a couple, you know, kind of shooting the shit with a couple media guys the other day, and like the, the like the the almost wide belief is that they need to move that pick for somebody. Um, and not, not just anybody, but they need to, you know, if they're going to, you know, c- 
compete with Houston or Golden State or whomever. Um, you know, they, they need to, to get someone. Um, who that is, I don't know, uh, because in, in my opinion, this team is very, very good. You know, to be Tom, to your point, you said they're on pace for about 60 wins. Um, and maybe this roster isn't 10 games better, but when you're, when you're not counting on DeAndre Liggins and you're, and you, you're able to use Dwayne Wade or Jeff Green, you know, that, that, that helps a lot. You know, there was, there were games when DeAndre Liggins was starting for this basketball team last year. I started on Christmas day last year against the Warriors. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, and I mean, mean, put that in perspective, right? It's so just, so they might not be 10 games better, but they are much better and much deeper and are able to, you know, if one guy isn't, isn't playing well, they're able to mask a lot of that with the quality they have elsewhere. So then that really goes a long way. Um, that said, again, when you shorten this rotation to seven or eight guys, you know, come, come playoff time, who, who's going to be, who are going to be the odd men out and how, how are those minutes going to be allocated? Especially if you bring another player in here. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work out. You know, the, you know, the natural, the Twitter, the Twitter GMs want to trade Tristan Thompson and Mont Schumpert for Anzi Davis. You know, I, that's not going to happen. You know, if you, if, if you're going to, if you're going to get a big man, great, but it's got to be, it's got to be a big man that's going to allow Kevin to slot back to the four, and and uh, and and give you a, a, tr- a true post presence, but one who isn't going to clog the lane, you know, a la Shaquille O'Neal, two thousand nine, where you know it still lets your guys, you know, you know, it still let, it still fits, you know. So I don't know. It'll be interesting, and it's going to it's really going to be Kobe's make or break move, to be honest. I mean, I hate to put that kind of pressure on a on a, on a first year GM. Um, but what he does with that Brooklyn pick is really going to is really going to be his, you know, the the kind of the title of his of his of his biography because it's it's going to, you know, he's either going to move it in a shrewd move that that puts his team in, in as in, into the championship talk again, or he's going to hold on to it and hope that his talent evaluators, who we haven't really had to rely on for the last, you know, however many years at the rookie level, um, are, are going to be able to find a player who's going to take this team, you know you know, back to some sort of level of prominence without all these stars on it. And the other thing to keep in mind in terms of whether or not to move that Brooklyn pick is, I mean, as fun as it's been to watch the Cavs over the last six weeks, this is not really the group per se that's going to be, uh, you know, what you're looking at in the playoffs most likely. I mean, we still haven't seen Isaiah Thomas in a Cavs uniform on the court yet. I mean, he's getting real close and it sounds like we're going to get him in about a week. And you just got to imagine that I think that's going to be a, a, a real adjustment period to go through that, um, you know, incorporating him into the starting lineup and, and you know, getting guys familiar with each other and, and his style of play, because um, I think he brings a very different uh, uh, style than what we've seen out of Jose Calderon in the starting lineup. Um, so in, in trying to determine what you need and what would be worth giving up that Brooklyn pick for, I think you kind of have to see what exactly the roster is going to look like when you actually have your starting five uh, actually all on the floor playing together for an extended period, no? It's a very short list um, either way. Uh, the You know, you, you need to get an all-star, you know, for that pick, whether it's Paul George, if, if, if Oklahoma City decides to fold up shop. Um, I know, I know, um, you know the, the the Pels don't necessarily want to trade Boogie because um, he's playing so well for them this year. Uh, but to that point, you know it, that. But that's the kind of level of player you're, you're you're talking about when you're moving that Brooklyn pick. 
Um, you know, I see a ton of people on Twitter. Again, you know, I keep I hate to reference it, but you know, wanting to move that pick for anybody. Um, you know, they um, who's the old uh, Kings guard, Tyreek Evans. Um, there's there's the, the like that caliber of player. I don't think is what you're moving that Brooklyn pick for. Um, you know, that's the kind of player I think you'd want to acquire. I think he makes the team better, but you're not moving that asset um, or 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 Tristan Thompson for him. Uh, you know, in, in in that kind of capacity. So it'll be interesting. I do I do think they'll try and do something. Um, you know, to answer the earlier question, um, but I don't I don't know. So so no, this I don't think that if I had to guess if this roster is done, I'm going to say no. But if they move that Brooklyn pick to, to augment it, I don't necessarily know if I believe that because I don't know if the market's going to be there for it. Speaking of Tristan, do you anticipate that he eventually works his way back into the starting lineup or do you see him continuing to be part of that second unit going forward? I think as long as they continue to play the way they're playing, he's going to be off the bench. Um, and I know he doesn't like it. Um, but that said, you know this, this team is just built in a way where they have to stay versatile. And when you have... LeBron, Jay Crowder, J.R. Smith, and, and, and Kevin Love being able to all play multiple positions. Um, that it makes it makes your, your rotation that much better. because um, Tristan's a five at this at this at this level of the NBA. He's a he's a very solid pick and roll defending five. And, you know, because he can't spread the floor. Um, you know, you 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 know, he's he you're never gonna run a play for him offensively outside of him being a role man in a pick and roll situation. Um, you know, so he, you, you need him to be with, with a playmaker like a Dwayne Wade or a LeBron James. And as long as Dwayne is running that, that second unit, I think Tristan can succeed. Is he going to get back to the double, double, you know, potential that he, that we saw when he was a starter? Probably not just because I don't think the minutes are going to be there. Um, but when you talk about embracing and excelling in your role, you know, Tristan's the one guy that I think has the most, you know, ground to, to cover there. Um, you know, I think as his role changed probably the most out of anybody. And, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the calf injury and everything else that's kind of hindered him, you know, he's definitely not having a season that I think he would like to have. But he's, as, he, as he slowly worked his way back into this rotation uh, and gets to play multiple nights in a row and that kind of thing, I do think we'll see him play better. Um, but I don't think it'll be with the starting rotation or with the starting five. We've sort of run the gamut, I guess, in terms of what we've seen so far. What are we – when, if and when, not if, but when, um, why can't I think of his name? Isaiah Thomas comes back. How are roles going to change again? Or are they going to try it because everybody seems to be fitting with where they are? Are we expecting them to sort of, I don't know, make Isaiah fit in as opposed to making everybody else sort of adapt to him? I don't know. Um, which is a a very compelling answer for a podcast guest. Um, (laughs) The he he's going to be your number two uh, in the starting rotation. Um, and Nam had a, a very good piece on him this week at the site, uh, where you know he he's he's not very different from Kyrie Irving in the way that he can fit on this on this in this in the starting five. Um, the the difference is he's better off the ball. He, he, he moves much more without the ball, runs off screens, takes handoffs, those kind of things that, you know, Kyrie was a, a dribble, 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 figure it out guy. You know what I mean? The And, and Isaiah is not that. So I think it'll be a pretty seamless fit for him to get back into things. The, the difference is going to be how it impacts everybody else because 
when you go from a Jose Calderon, who's not a, a ball dominant high usage rate guy who makes everybody else better, you know, Kevin's having a hell of a first half of the season, you know, with playing along, especially playing alongside Jose. Um, how does that change his role? How does that, you know, does Jay Crowder suddenly become a little more comfortable playing alongside a guy he's played alongside for the last several years? Does, um, you know, there, I think the changes we're going to see are going to be at the at the teammate level much more so than than uh, than the fit Isaiah Thomas side of things. It'll be very interesting to see what the team does, and uh, you know, because the, the, it's going to start and stop with LeBron James, uh, but how they get there between then is going to be very very interesting to watch. All right, I want to shift gears here. You know, we got uh, the big Christmas Day game coming up. That was kind of the reason we wanted to have this date circle on the calendar to, you know, really kind of start talking about the Cavs. Um, from the other side of this rivalry, what do we need to know about the Warriors? I mean, Steph Curry's been out for a while now. I think the uh, ankle injury, I don't think we're going to see him on Christmas Day. But uh, otherwise, it seems like they're they're kind of chugging along um, it, much the same way that we've seen them in recent years. What uh, what do we need to know about them uh, going into Christmas? They're pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> they uh, yeah, no, Steph will not play. Uh, you know, so no Isaiah, no Steph. So it's going to be tough to read into this in any sort of extrapolation to the to the playoffs. Um, you know, what happens tomorrow will not be or Monday will not be indicative of of what you know fans should think of when 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 uh, an eventual potential uh, rematch happens. Um, you know, if you ask me, they're going to have a heck of a time getting past Houston, but that'll we can have we can talk about that, and you know, later this spring. Um, you know, Draymond is Draymond uh, again, one of the you know one of if not the best. You know, Giannis has given him a run, but uh, defensive players of the in the league, um, they're a little chippier this year, I think, than uh, than than in years past. Uh, you've had uh, a couple guys get ejected. Kevin Durant's been ejected multiple times for for barking at officials. Um, you've had uh, Draymond get ejected a couple times. I mean, they're they they get, have a bit of a, an attitude to them this year. I'm not sure where it came from. Uh, Steve Kerr has gone on record saying he's not a huge fan of it. Um, but as long as the team continues to win, uh, they're going to they're going to be okay with it. You know, Kevin Durant again one of the best players in basketball. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the runaway two-man race that is James Harden and LeBron James for the MVP, I think Kevin Durant would be right there. Um, it'll be a fun game to watch because I, I don't know how they're going to match up defensively. Cleveland will match up defensively with with Golden State. Um, you know, you're going, to, you're going to, you know, Jay Crowder was essentially brought to Cleveland to take some of the defensive load off of LeBron James' shoulders and with his versatility. Um, so to, it'll be very, it'll be the first game we'll see Jay. I'm assuming he's going to draw Kevin in you know, as a defensive uh, defensive assignment. It'll be a, it'll be in, that'll be if I'm a fan uh, of the Cavs that I'm watching that matchup and what Jeff Green can do uh, defensively as well much more than than anything else really in this game. You're gonna you're gonna want to see LeBron James highlights clearly. You're gonna want to see Dwayne Wade highlights. Um, but if you're going to be able to take anything away from this game on Monday. Um, it's what it's what can Jay Crowder do to potentially take the defensive load off of LeBron when it comes to guarding Kevin Durant. All right. So you just mentioned the MVP race a little bit. Where do you stand right now on it? Because I'm of the opinion that, and I've been saying it for probably the last decade, that LeBron should win it every year. Probably the lone exception to me is the first one, that, or the one that Steph got in 2016. Um, and everyone's always, they always 
you know, cite LeBron fatigue. But LeBron hasn't won in four years now. So that should be out the window. If we weren't voting for him because we were sick of him winning it every year, he now hasn't won it for four years. Um, A, do you think he should? B, do you think he will? So I'm extremely biased um, because I do Obviously, get to watch him sort of um, given, right? you know, every night. Um, but I, there, there is no part of me that thinks James Harden is a better player than LeBron James. Um, and I do think what, what Harden, Harden raced out to, you know, lead, lead, leading the league in scoring and assists. Um, and the and the Rockets are playing very very good basketball. So clearly, uh, he's going to be in the mix. If you look at his offensive production and defensive production, um, he's he's he deserves to be in the conversation. Um, but I think you're going to see. I mean, you saw it a week ago. Chris Paul was named Western Conference Player of the Week. Um, you know, so if you Chris Paul's impact on Houston will be good for the Rockets. I think it will be bad for for James Harden. You know, Harden scored 50 plus the other night. Uh, with with Chris Paul on the bench because he has that adductor issue, um, and if Chris can't stay healthy, and the Rockets continue to win, I think James is going to it's going to be it's going to be very tough for LeBron to win because Harden has been right there. Um, you know, LeBron wasn't in the top three last year. James Harden was number two. Um, you know, so I think people are looking for a reason to put him over the top. That said, LeBron in, in year fifteen is playing the best basketball of his, of his career. Um, you know, the Cavs are winning. Um, he is doing it without Kyrie Irving, and I, I, I offensively, defensively, um, he, he has developed a three-point shot. Um, everything that you know, there's there's no shortage in his game, um, and he's and he's still getting no calls at the rim. Where 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 you know guys like James Harden um, have continued to to thrive and get you know eight, nine, ten free throws a night. Um, you know, so um. I'm again very biased, but I think when you talk about complete player and most valuable um, to to his his team, uh, it's very tough to not give that award to LeBron James for the fifth time in his career. Yeah, all right. To take a st- take a step back real quick, because that sounds like hyperbole when you say he's playing the best basketball of his career, and I've most heard a efficient. lot of people say it. Most efficient. Okay. All right, and and I mean, yeah, that's sort of arguing apples and oranges, but overall, have we ever seen anything like this from a guy this old? Like even close, not necessarily this good, obviously, because that's probably doubtful. But a guy who has been as good this late in career as he as he maybe was five to ten years ago. I'm trying to think. Um, you know, I think you'd have to go back to some of the, you know, the like the Showtime guys, the Showtime Lakers guys, when they were late in their career, were still playing some pretty decent basketball. Um, you know, but again, not. I don't think to this level. I it's very it's it's very tough to find anyone. Well, one, there's not a lot of 15 year guys in the NBA at all. Um, you know, through at any year. I mean, if you look at, you know, I think the 15 year guys. You know, you have Vince Carter, Dirk, that kind of stuff. But I mean, they're they're very very few and far between, and they're and they they're they're different players. Like Vince Carter is a different player now than he was. You know, when he was on the Raptors, um, where LeBron has evolved. Um, you, he's he's a different player because he's better, which is which is scary to think about. You know, when when LeBron was here the first time, you know it was he couldn't shoot. All he could do is get to the rim. Um, you know, he didn't have a three point shot. He didn't have a jump shot. You know, so have you? When he went to Miami, he worked on his post up game with Hakeem. Um, you know, which is which has worked so well. I mean, you saw that the fadeaway he 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 busted out against uh, against Chicago the other night to ice that game. I mean, that's, 
you know, quick, quick post up at the on, the, on the left side and just turn around and pop it. I mean, that, like that kind of stuff just wasn't there. And now he's, he suddenly has a three point shot, which I don't know where it came from. Um, but now he, you know, he went from taking, you know, two, three threes a night to, you know, shooting almost 50% first. There was a stretch earlier this season, which is, which is incredible to think about. So no, I mean, it's, I, I can't think of anyone because everyone else is everybody else who has been at this age has is a different player um you know whether it's you know whether they turn themselves into kind of a mid-range guy or whether they turn themselves into just a three-point threat um where lebron has turned himself into a complete package which is something that i i I don't i mean you didn't even see that with mj um jordan was great but he wasn't a shooter um you know he could hit shots when he needed to and he had the you know you know the the, you know the quote-unquote ice in his veins when it came to clutch scoring um but I mean, the reason that that infamous game against Portland when he's hitting all those threes and the shrug is such a big deal is because he wasn't a three point shooter, um, you know, where LeBron is suddenly morphed into, you know, he's not going to be in the three point contest, but he is he's, you know, the way to beat LeBron in the past was to make him shoot. And uh, now with him hitting these shots, I mean, there's it's it's it's, you know, he's LeBron is kind of Bill Belichick his way through the NBA. And, and, you know, Bill is, you know, his, his, his key thing is always taking away your, your best weapon. Um, where, where LeBron has, has, has seen people talk about his, 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 his weaknesses and he's worked on them every year to, to get to this point. So no, I, I can't think of a, of a player that has been able to do what LeBron has done. Yeah. You know, that's one of those things you hear a lot of players at the end of their careers, just the way they learn about the game and, and understand the game better and, and they get it more. Uh, mentally, um, and you know the the classic statement is always, "Man, if I could see the game, you know, when I was 21, the way I do now, uh, you know, once they're physically broken down, it'd be a whole different ball game." LeBron hasn't lost anything physically, but um, he's an incredible student of the game, and he, I think he had a real high basketball IQ right from the get go. I mean, you know, you can take that all the way back to his days at uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary, but. Um, you know, he's just continuing to build on that knowledge and not losing anything physically. And, you know, just, you know, to your point about him as a shooter, it was only a couple of years ago, I was reading a story somewhere that they were making a case that he was the worst shooter in the NBA in terms of just three point percentage versus how often he was taking shots. And now, I mean, it's, I mean, he's a problem out there for other teams. So um, it's been a fascinating evolution to, to his career. I don't know what's next, um, you know, which is which is scary because he's you know he's, I guess the only thing and, and he's joked with guys in the locker room about it. I mean, his free throw shooting clearly is his is his. If you're going to find a weakness, um, you know, it's it's you know he wants to be able to shoot you know, 80 ish or so from the free throw line. And it'll, it'll take him it'll take a lot to get there. And I don't quite know why it, he, he hasn't been able to figure that out throughout his career. I mean, he changed his free, he's changed his free throw again this year. I don't know if you picked up on it, but he almost t- takes it as like a jump shot. Like he stands back, dribbles once, corrects his feet and then, and then shoots, um, which is, which is the exact opposite of what Kyle Corver tried to get him to do. You know, <laughs> Kyle's big thing is minimizing movement. Um, you know, his big thing is just, you know, every movement you use at the free throw line should be used to get the ball through the rim, you know, where LeBron has you know, done almost the opposite of that. But that said, um, if, if, if he can somehow turn himself into the player he is now and shoot 80 ish percent from the free throw line, I mean, that's, 
that is, I think that is the peak of, of the LeBron James mountain. All right. Trav, any other questions for Scott? Um, Cavs questions. I think, <laughs> I think, I think we ran the gamut. So do you have a non Cavs question you wanted to ask Scott? I actually do, but I only want like 10 to 15 second answer. Okay. Because he, you mentioned you're an investment banker. All I've been hearing about for the last two weeks is how half of the world thinks Bitcoin's the greatest thing in the world. The other half think it's ridiculous. What should I think? I'm not. I'm never going to invest in it. Let's be honest about that. I'm just curious. Like, why the hell does everyone think it's worth talking about so much all of a sudden? Well, it's. I mean, it's what's being talked about because of the, the substantial rise it's seen. Um, I'm on team ridiculous. Um, so to, if you're going to be on one side or the other, um, we won't, we won't use it, um, because it's, we, it's, it's speculation. We, we make investments in things that, you know, have earnings and have, have fundamentals to them. Not something that's being, that's going up in price because your barber just bought a bunch of it. Um, you know, so I am, I'm on team ridiculous. I don't know what the end is going to be, but it has to be, it's going to be something that's going to have to undergo some sort of regulation. Uh, because right now it's completely deregulated, and once once regulation comes in, I think that's going to uh, be a bit of a headwind for any substantial movements upward. I I don't know how it's not a huge bubble right now. Maybe I'm just old guy yelling at clouds, and I'm definitely blowing past your ten to fifteen second answer. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's something that I I just I don't I don't understand how just knowing how currencies trade. I don't understand how this one has seen such a substantial spike compared to others. And, and the weirdest thing to me is that it's we've always talked about people being, you know, if you have a company that's very valuable, like an NFL team, you can print money. We always use that term like jokingly. Um, but this is literally something where just some guy can go make money. Technically, like you just write the code or whatever is in your computer and all of a sudden you have it, right? Yeah, but I mean, the the. You know, the reason it's it's untraceable, right? It's 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 one of those things where um, it could be the it's it could right now Bitcoin is a currency that could be used to purchase a limited number of things, but mostly can be used for illicit or illegal things, right? Because of the way that it's there's just no there's no currency desk for it. Um, you well, know, that makes so, it a lot cooler to me personally. <laughs> well, I'm well, a lot right, more excited about it now. Well, right, right now, right? You know, but that's the thing. It's that that's it's not going to for it to be accepted by other business, more and more businesses, it's going to have to be something that's regulated because these businesses are going to want to make sure they're not they're not going to lose their their ass on it if they're going to accept it as a form of currency to buy their goods or services. So, um, you know, once that happens, I, I do think it's going to trade much more like every other currency in that, you know, a couple percentage points here and there versus versus another currency. But to go, but to be, you know. You know, up what is it, uh, eleven thousand dollars since last year? I mean, that that's insane. Um, and I, I I've seen bubbles before, and I I, I tend to think this is going to be another one. Well, the only thing I know about uh, Bitcoin is that uh, th- this fever sweeping the country. I, I've had to mute Harala Bob on Twitter, um, <laughs> which is, is an uh... NBA fan uh, who follows as many good NBA accounts as I can. It broke my heart to have to do that, but uh, he left me with no choice. But um, Scott, this has been fun. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the stories on uh, waiting for next year. Anything else that you wanted to, to plug while we're here? No, I, I think, you know, again, I'm very grateful 
to uh, to be a part of the podcast. I'm glad that you guys are are part of our you know little umbrella here, as you've been a, a, a wonderful addition. So I'm, I'm very glad to uh, to kind of ju- you know reach over the aisle here and uh, and talk to you. I love Craig, but talking to him gets kind of, you know it's it's <laughs> nice to nice to nice to mix up the uh, the hosts. You know what I mean? And uh, and my and my schedule's crazy, so I'm glad we were able to make this work. Likewise, yeah, sure. likewise. And you know I should also mention you know, we mentioned what you've. Uh, been working on for way for next year, but you also write for Bleacher Report, and you had a great story this week about Kyle Korver and uh, just everything that um, you know he's gone through since the finals last year and the, the trade that brought him to town in the middle of last season, um, and, and just kind of his ride with the Cavs since then. Uh, super interesting. We link to it from our Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash The Nail Podcast. So uh, I would encourage everybody to check that out as well. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I really enjoyed writing that one. Uh, it took a while. I think the, you know the first draft was submitted a couple weeks ago, um, before you know and it just published earlier this week. Um, but getting him to open up about some of that stuff, you know, asking athletes about their lowest moment is not a fun thing to do. Um, you know, they, they they'd much rather talk about the fact that they're they rolled off eighteen out of twenty, you know, the last twenty games, winning eighteen of them. I think that is much more fun. For them to talk about then hey remember that one shot you missed in that really crucial moment that lost you the series um you know that, that that's not a necessarily a place they always want to go and for kyle to open up about it the way he did i was i was very grateful for that no but the other thing with that is i think it when you could tell that story it's not even like you're being a wet blanket or anything i mean you're you're helping to put into context just even more it speaks more to what what they're doing now to be able to come from that point uh, to you know, coming out this next season and really putting everything together and and you know getting off to a great uh, start to the year and um, you know it really kind of helps to tell the the complete picture of who these Cavs are. So um, yeah, that's what I tried to do. I mean, this, it was the first time he's been traded in the middle of the season, um, you know, with a family, and I think that gets very much overlooked. Uh, you know, when you think of the these guys, don't just get you know parachuted into this next city when they get moved. Like there's a whole big process that gets involved with that. Um, you know, and when you have three small children and, uh, and, and you, and you, you effectively grew roots in, in Atlanta and then suddenly one day you're not there anymore. Uh, and then you get a foot injury and then, you know, then you just couldn't, you, you just couldn't get in the groove that we're seeing now. Um, you know, and that's how I kind of explained it to him. I'm like, I know you don't want to talk about this, but, uh, you know, there needs to be, you know, it's clearly the conflict that's serving as a jumping off point for the success you're having this year. Um, you know, so I was glad that, uh, you know, he was willing to do that. And I hope, you know, anyone who read it at least learned something from it that they, that they didn't know prior. Cause there's a lot of that stuff that I didn't even know. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 you know, I sometimes aim to, you know, educate a little bit as well. So finding out details of stories that uh, weren't out there to begin with, I think is, is always kind of fun to uncover. Borrow the hashtag that uh, you're fond of. I know uh, actual sports writing. So. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, as for us, we always uh, invite you to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. You can also catch our new episodes on WaitingForNextYear.com. Speaking of which, um, I jumped on the WFNY podcast this week, and I talked with uh, sports media business guru Holly Wetzel about uh, the big Disney-Fox deal and what that's going to mean for Fox Sports Ohio and STO. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that, so I would encourage you to go check that out as well. Um, Our thanks again uh, to Scott Sargent for joining us. Uh, I had a lot of fun here today. Um, For Travis Shuley, I am Tom Valentino. Have a great Christmas, everyone, and we will talk to you again soon.
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.